What's up, everybody? Joel Algy here. Welcome to Recruiting is No Joke. We're at episode 41, which is crazy. So uh, thank you for everybody for supporting the show, all of our past guests. It has been great. Super excited for today's topic. Uh, but before we get started, I just want to say hi to everybody out there. Remember to get in the chat. Let me know uh, what part of the world you're in. If you're in recruitment, like what company you work for, whether you're an agency uh, or internal, just tell me something about yourself and say hi. I love to always hear who is out there. Um, and then I want to give a special shout out to our sponsor, MetaView. If you guys haven't heard of MetaView, there's actually a link where you can go trial uh, the product. And essentially, they do interview transcription and then AI summaries of those interviews. So if you're still typing away while you're interviewing people, you got to try MetaView. A uh, really, really powerful technology. Um, so super excited about that. So guys, I see Joe is in the house in Knoxville. Joe, great to see you. Get in a chat. Let us know who's out there. And um, I'm going to bring out our guest. Constantine, welcome to the show. Just want to hey. unmute. There you go. How uh, How's everything going for you today? Hey, Joel. Super excited to be here. It's an exciting show. And so I'm seeing there are quite a few people joining. Yeah, we, uh, it looks like we got people joining from Florida, we even got London. Let's go London. I'm sure it's a lot cooler there than it is here. But uh, anyway, where and where, where are you based out of, Constantine? Uh, I'm out of Toronto, okay. Canada. Very cool, man. Well, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. I know today we're going to be talking about people analytics. Uh, so it's definitely not like a subject I would consider myself a subject matter expert on, but you are. So uh, really excited to kind of chat everything, people analytics. And uh, guys, if you have questions too uh, for Constantine on any of the topics we're talking about, get in the chat, ask those questions. We will get to them. Only questions that we uh, don't get to are the ones around needing a job. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, that's not what the show is about. You can go to TikTok for that. So Constantine, why don't you give us kind of a, a background on yourself, like how you got into uh, this people analytics space, um, and then give us a, a quick intro on like what you're doing right now as well. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break to mention my sponsor, MetaView. MetaView is the AI assistant for interviewing. It completely removes the need for recruiters to take notes during interviews because their AI is designed to take world-class interview notes for you. The result? You're safe from the drudgery of note-taking and can instead spend time on what actually matters, being present, curious, and engaging with candidates, then making high-quality decisions based on insight, not memory. also means your organization has 10 times better data about every candidate you speak to because you're no longer relying on people to remember everything that was discussed and submit accurate notes. Unlike humans, MetaView never gets tired. It doesn't forget anything and it structures the notes perfectly. Recruiters at companies like Brex, Robinhood, and Cura describe MetaView as a game changer for their efficiency and ability to have high-quality interactions with candidates. MetaView lets them focus on the conversation rather than on taking notes. See the magic for yourself for free on your first five interviews. Head over to www.metaview.ai backslash no joke to get started. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll start with what I'm doing right now. I, I think that that's uh, the most relevant. Um, so I'm a managing partner at my own firm, Sky and Associates. The firm focuses on human capital consulting and ultimately helping businesses grow 
um, through leveraging the data around their people and uh, really driving outcomes through people analytics, data science. And by outcomes, I mean broad sense in here, things like how do you retain employees? How do you fuel their performance? How do you recruit correctly? Um, so that you're able to evaluate and use the data that's available to you at any given time point. Um, how I got into this point, uh, I actually started out in PhD and I did uh, my dissertation in leadership. Um, and what we used to do, we used to bring students into the lab and uh, make them interact for a few minutes. And then we would um, run some analyses and figure out who, which one of them is going to be like the leader of the uh, of the pack of the group and uh, making writing papers and making conclusions about this is how leadership emerges this is how you see leadership and that did not necessarily feel authentic uh, just because you know the data are coming from the students it is happening in the basement of the lab and if you look at the leaders out there and um, you know large uh, scale ceos and politicians that's not necessarily what leadership looks like um, so i started to thinking about making a pivot and I moved into management consulting and then from management consulting, I moved into human capital practice um, at Deloitte and then moved internally to Top Hat and build out the entire uh, people operations uh, infrastructure with uh, my team. So that was an exciting journey and uh, very recently decided to make a pivot back to consulting, um, go back to see different organizations, different industries and really share my knowledge in people analytics and um, uh, data analytics with people. So, you know, kind of kind of linking the people analytics piece and the data piece to recruitment. I'm curious, like what what is some of the data that you look at? And I guess, you know, in, in your point of view, like how can people use the data to help them recruit or like refine processes? Like talk to me more about like kind of the, the type of data that you're looking at. Yeah, that's a great question. And there are really two focuses in here. The first one is uh, around the internal focus for any given organization. And that is looking at the data that you have available within the organization and making decisions on that. So say you are looking, in, I, I like to use the example of sales jobs, uh, just because there's quite a few of them that uh, are typically in the market and uh, organizations are quite hungry to get the best salespeople in. Um, so start out with figuring out how do you identify what makes somebody a great salesperson, and then you start applying the knowledge that you gain through data um, in your actual recruitment practices. There is another aspect of it that is external. So that is focusing on the market data and um, in people analytics world, we call it uh, talent intelligence. So really looking into the different geographies, trying to think about how does that apply to your workforce, the different market rates um, that are available for different roles, availability of different talent and the quality of that talent in the geography. And ultimately, what you're trying to do is marry those two data sources between internal data and external data to come to some sort of conclusion that brings the best people into the organization. So th those are just broad examples. Uh, naturally, but uh, this is how people analytics can apply to recruitment. And so I guess with that data, then are you, is that what are you using the data to put together? Well, like marketing, the messaging, or like you're just using it to look to where to find people, I guess, like how, how, how do like recruiters use this? Yeah, that, know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, 
That's a great question, right? And ultimately, that's going to depend on what you're trying to do. Um, everything in people analytics is really looking at the problems of the business and um, how you are, what are you, what you're trying to solve. So driving through your curiosity, the questions that you have. Um, and I like to think of uh, people analytics as a tool. So uh, if you think about your uh, hammer or uh, say a screwdriver, uh, the goal is ultimately not necessarily to just have a hammer, right? It is to put a nail into the wall or for um, say a drill, what you're really looking for a hole and not necessarily a drill, but people analytics is ultimately the drill that you have. So say you want, you're looking at the messaging for recruitment, right? How do different messages are landing? So you might want to start iterating with different messages and then running analyses on which one is more successful, which one is less successful, which channels are working out better, which channels are working out worse, and then ultimately leveraging that data to drive to the outcome that you're looking for. Yeah, I love that. What, what about in terms of um, you know, like how AI is impacting people analytics? Like I'm sure like with most fields, you know, there's a big impact with AI. So like, what are you seeing as far as some, like the way that people are leveraging AI with this data as well, you know, and I'm even thinking with like messaging, like, is there ways to like get this data and then, you know, almost have AI do the messaging for you? Like what, I, I guess, yeah, we seeing those impacts. It's super interesting. And I would love to um, hear what um, you've encountered as um, from the recruitment world altogether uh, yourself. Uh, but what I've been seeing is that AI is not sophisticated enough to produce good messages just yet um, that are going to convert very easily. Uh, I work with AI quite quite a bit, um, at least from the content creation perspective and uh, thinking about ideas, brainstorming, um, summarizing things. Uh, but what I'm noticing is that it's not good enough. It's not meeting at least my standard just yet. But what I'm also seeing is that it is improving very rapidly as the time goes on. So that is perhaps right now, it's not necessarily going to create the best messages out there, but perhaps in six, six months it will. And uh, this is where yeah, the real disruption is going to start happening. Um, the, there, there is that component around people operations. I, I get a lot of questions these days around how do people operations leaders are using AI? And there, there's only a few leaders who are jumping into the space right now, or at least from the people that uh, I've been speaking with. Um, there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of um, desire to try out the different tools and uh, different approaches, but I haven't seen many people actually implementing AI in, the, in people operations successfully. Um, but I do think that over the next couple of months, that is going to start happening more and more, especially with the emergence of the new AI tools um, that I'm actually pretty excited about. Um, so so back, to, back, back to you around that um, question from how you've seen AI play out in recruitment. And I, I would, I'd love to hear some, some of your thoughts as well. I, look, I mean, I've seen a, a lot of the tools that I've seen out there are really focused around sourcing I think sourcing is a huge area, right? Like, hmm. you know, being able to say yes and no to which candidates you like, which ones you don't like, maybe even getting deeper into the process where you're able to um, source a hundred candidates automatically. And then as they're going through the process, 
look at well which which ones are getting through past the hiring manager and then the ai you know kind of picking that up and changing the search as it goes along so i think sourcing is obviously it seems like that's that's the one that i that's the area that i've seen most tools gravita gravitating towards um, and then a lot of them will have that messaging component as well like how to write a good message but to your point i think the messaging it's just not quite there yet and and i also like I know at least on my end, like I've been receiving a lot more messages that have been written by AI. And I, th I think it, there's, it's pretty clear when it is and when it's somebody just writing naturally. So I, I still think it's got to really kind of learn the human tone. Then I think there's other tools like, you know, MetaView who sponsors a show, for example, like this AI transcription for mm -hmm. intake calls for interviews with um, candidates. That's amazing because you know it's like candidate experience is huge and there's nothing worse than being on a call with a candidate and trying to take all the notes, trying to be accurate, trying not to miss things, and then losing that engagement with the candidate. So I prefer I, it's it's interesting because like I think on one end like the messaging and the sales and the marketing seems to kind of dehumanize things, but then there's certain tools that help with like really monotonous tasks that actually help. Mm -hmm humanize the process more because it allows the recruiter to be more focused on the conversation and, you know, kind of be more involved in the process. So that's why, that's why I've seen it. I guess I'm curious in terms of like, um, you know, even, even at like retention, you were mentioning, like, are you seeing tools around, you know, candidate experience, retention, uh, even like, I think of like forecasting for like future growth and like knowing like, okay, how many, how, how do we, how many people do we need to hire? Where do we need to hire? Are there advancements like that that you're seeing in, in your space? Um, from people analytics standpoint, uh, yes, the adoption of people analytics standpoint is where, uh, it becomes a little bit tricky. So if you look at the landscape of different organizations, I would say that, uh, people are pretty early on. I know there are some people who would disagree with me, but uh, from my experience, at least I've seen that um, the people analytics adoption is perhaps behind the people analytics um, advancement and tools that are available in the market, right? So there are some cool technologies out there that um, do dive into all of your data, people data, and then you can just type a question and it produces a graph, right? Um, you can submit the different data from uh, a, a bunch of text, say surveys, um, into the uh, tools, and then it, it's going to very quickly summarize the themes that are emerging from there. There, so the technology does exist, um, but whether people are comfortable necessarily at adopting the technology, there are a lot of barriers, right? Um, the biggest barrier, of course, being ethics and privacy. Do Is it ethical for us to feed all of this information into the different AI tools? And then are our AI tools actually secure enough to maintain that information confidential and not expose it to risks um, outside of the organization? Um, so, so there's that, that part. And another part is just uh, general data literacy and understanding um, how data works, how data gets processed, um, why the different outcomes are emerging, um, understanding what survival analysis is, for example. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, survival analysis comes from medicine and uh, ultimately it looks into what is the likelihood that someone is going to live an additional day um, if they have a certain diagnosis. 
uh, uh, with the idea that the longer a person lives, the more likely they are going to pass. So in a similar vein, you can think about retention within the organization and really estimate how likely it is that someone is going to stay in here, given that uh, for every day of their tenure, the likelihood that they're going to leave is um, increasing uh, within the organization. So the tools are available out there, but the understanding of the tools, um, the understanding of the ethics that surround it is uh, still where there is a little bit of that gap um, ultimately for the adoption standpoint. So when, when you're working with uh, talent acquisition teams, when you're working with management at companies in general, I mean, what are some of the, what are the, some of the, some of the challenges you run into? And I guess, because I, I, you know, hear from a lot of talent leaders, like even just being able to communicate the right data and, you know, communicate in the right way. Like what, what are some of the challenges that you have? Like when you're working with companies, what are some of the challenges that you see that TA leaders have uh, even just kind of communicating this data to leaders and, um, you know, kind of, mo kind of moving their goals forward. Um, yeah. So understanding of the data is definitely going to be one of the challenges and just, uh, interpreting the models. Um, so coming from statistician background, I can go in and say, okay, so these are the betas that we identified or B's and estimates and standard errors and, um, you know, significance tests, uh, or doing some sort of Bayesian analysis. Pretty, but, pretty sure I failed that class too, by the way. <laughs> Statistics was definitely uh, it's a real, real challenge. So I'm sure that is a challenge for most TA leaders to kind of get their heads around. Well, you, you know what's uh, interesting also is that the more you understand statistics, the more you think about it as a science of uncertainty um, mm. and really studying the error rates um, of all of your predictions rather than actually the accuracy side of things because you're, you're ultimately trying to reduce the error rather than uh, maximize the accuracy with an assumption that accuracy is going to uh, go up as the errors go down. So um, com coming from sort of that perspective, it becomes even confusing for a lot of the people in statistics, uh, people in analytics, just because so many tools are emerging, there's new technologies emerging at any given point. Um, but ultimately, it always comes down, what are you trying to solve? And what data do you need to actually solve the problem? And as long as you keep that focus, I, I think that uh, the story becomes incredibly simple. Um, going into the executive meeting, here's what we're trying to solve. Here's how we solved it. Here's the data behind it. Um, then this, it, it essentially simplifies the story. Um, so, so that that's a part of it. But the second part is like really interpreting all of the different analytics that are coming through. Um, not saying beta is one point three, but saying that um, there is a three times more likely effect for this group versus this group, or for this message versus this message. Much more understandable terms, much more human terms. Um, and this sort of goes back to the AI that we're talking about is it allows you to outsource some of that, those analytics and translate it in more effective ways. Um, I would say that a lot of people operations leaders are actually looking at that particular use case for AI versus other use cases right now. So, and then when you're when you're in like a people operations role, then who do you who do you roll up to? Is it usually 
like the talent acquisition leader or is it HR? Like who, who you usually, usually work in closer with? Yeah. So you typically it's, uh, I would work closely with CHROs and uh, the chief people officers. Um, and if there is a question ultimately for the talent acquisition side of things, then that would be a talent acquisition leader. And then what about in terms of like where you're pulling the data from? Like, is this, I guess, where, where do you even decide like where to pull the data from? And like, what are some of those data sources that you're pulling from? Yeah, it's, um, it's going to depend on each one of the different engagements. Um, of course, if you're looking into assessment of the market, then naturally you would want to go into the market and pull the data from there. There is going to be an overlap around which roles the organization is requiring. So um, say you wouldn't go into oil and gas organization and start pulling technology jobs uh, right away for the SaaS, uh, just because they're not necessarily going to be as relevant. Um, in there. And uh, similarly, if you're doing compensation analysis, you are going to be pulling uh, the data externally and internally as well. Uh, but, but yeah, typical sources, HRES, um, ATS, um, and uh, LinkedIn data once in a while. Sometimes it goes into LMS, but uh, most of the, um, uh, I, I believe I wrote an article on this uh, sometime ago that 90% of data actually comes from the HRES and the ATS. So the big databases that are designed to contain the recruitment data. And do you, so do you find like, especially like now that you're doing more consulting, like are, are just leaders just not taking advantage of like the data that's available mm -hmm. in the ATSN? Is that essentially what's happening? Uh, so so that's, that's a part of it, but also there is a huge part around the quality of the data. Um, and how the data becomes stored and uh, imported into uh, for analysis, you just realize that there's a lot of inconsistencies and, and that's natural, right? Because uh, it, there is a lot of human error. So if you think about the candidate journey as um, they are coming into the pipeline, um, there's outreach that needs to be recorded, the information about the candidates, their resume, job descriptions, um, any type of interviews that are happening, any type of evaluations that people are leaving. And then the question becomes, well, did this candidate actually fill out the entirety of the form? How is their resume structured? Did the interviewer spend time evaluating the candidates and provided good quality data uh, so that can be usable for uh, different analytics. And a lot of times what you see is the data isn't complete. It is inconsistent. Say you have two different recruiters uh, recruiting for the same role. One of them co codes compensation one way, another codes in a different way. So you start seeing those inconsistencies and what um, needs to be done is lots of data cleaning and organization. And sometimes you just realize, hey, like, there is no good quality data to actually answer your question. And, and that is a conversation that needs to be had with the, with any leader really around, uh, there's some best practices around how you organize the data and how you think about it. Um, so how can we implement it moving forward so that you're able to capture the data and actually answer your questions, uh, perhaps in six months uh, after more data is coming in. So it sounds like then having that really standardized process, like with training the interviewers, training the hiring managers, training recruiters, having them stick to to a process is key for, for all of this. 
Yes, and, and ultimately in here, another piece is just simplifying the information in a way that um, is going to be, um, it, it is going to allow you to not overwhelm a recruiter as they are going into the system um, so that it doesn't feel like a drag, but it, it simplifies their life now and then it simplifies their life later on. Perhaps uh, there is maybe somebody in the audience who wants to do a startup like that to um, capture the data and clean it very quickly. So <laughs> that, that, that would be a great idea. Like this is what this show's about, coming up with, with new ideas. So like, okay, so for kind of like your regular recruiter who's doing a day in and day out, you know, recruitment, like what, are they able to kind of pull data and use data as well? Like what would be, I guess, what would be some ways that kind of the, the hands-on recruiters can kind of get more involved or kind of get, just learn, I guess, more even about like the data that's available and how it can help them with, with messaging and recruitment and, um, you know, where, where can they go to, to, to kind of find some of this data? Yeah, this is a really cool question. Um, and it's sort of relevant not only for recruitment teams, it's also relevant for any team that is uh, interacting with customers directly. Uh, and ultimately, you have access to the data, right? So through the CRMs, through the ATS, at least the stuff that you're working on, um, you can test the messaging yourself. Uh, technically, you don't even need a person who is doing people analytics. Uh, create several variations of messaging, send them out to a random sample of the population, see what performs better, double down on that, create iterations from that, and then you're able to go and very quickly accelerate your success rate in terms of the candidates that you're bringing into the pipeline um, and hopefully closing overall. Um, you can take a look into the different patterns from the interviewer standpoint and what they're looking for, uh, learn very quickly and then adapt your search and um, create the iterations. Uh, as long as the data are actually stored, checking out different locations and different sources, it's very easy to see whether better candidates are coming from a certain source. Um, and what are some of the things that can more successful candidates are actually doing? Um, that's another great people analytics slash psychology question um, to identify uh, a good candidate through the screening process uh, very early on. I, I think the biggest thing in here is not even data literacy is naturally going to be important. Uh, how to organize the data and do the an analysis and uh, interpretation of the different results it that's important but what's more important is curiosity mm. and actually asking the questions like and also perhaps competitiveness right uh, treating the entire process as a, as a problem to solve as a game and figuring out what what can i do to actually uh, actually maximize my success chances in here um and once you adopt that mindset, you can start learning analytics. And um, I actually recommend doing that rather than going into data analytics for the sake of uh, data analytics, uh, just because if it is viscerally connected to who you are and what you're trying to do, it's learning analytics becomes so much easier because you can apply it fairly immediately to what's going on um, in your life and uh, the learning sticks. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's the same, it's the same with, uh, you know, I think it was like content creation, right? It's that same idea. You're, you're testing out what resonates with people. You're testing out what resonates with your audience and then looking at how people respond and then changing your messaging, changing right. the way that you write, that you write things. Um, you know, and like you said, doubling down on, on the things that are right. I think with, with, within recruitment, I mean, you're kind of making those calls, you know, together as a team and individually. And, it, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on, on the setup, but I think just being really, really quickly, real, really, really quick, like when something isn't working to, you know, try something else. And then when something is working, like say doubling down on that. Um, yeah. so talk, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you're now helping, um, you know, people who want to get more into people operations and want to upskill uh, with, you know, kind of understanding people analytics. So how are you doing that? Like, how are you helping people with that? And, um, you know, what are you kind of looking to accomplish with that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, around six, I would say actually eight months ago now that time flies, um, December of last year, I decided that um, I looked around. And one thing that I recognize is that data literacy in a lot of people operations teams is not where it needs to be. So the world is changing, the AI started to emerge at the same time. Um, and what we typically would see is um, a lot more qualitative aspect uh, to the different work that uh, people operations teams were doing, um, which is great because uh, there is a huge demand on that human connection as well. Uh, but at the same time with the change in the world, you start asking questions, okay, how many things can we automate? How many things can we outsource to the different analytics tools um, out there to AI tools? And uh, once that is moved out um, from, from, the, from different plates, people can actually focus a lot more on um, interpreting things, being more strategic, um, uh, working with individuals directly and uh, working through the employee relations issues, um, connecting with people more. And, and this is where that idea uh, of training people in data literacy and data analytics actually uh, came to fruition for me. Um, set a goal in my mind, very arbitrary number to train 10,000 people on how to use people analytics to be more effective at work, uh, to interpret data better, to extract strategic insights and make good business decisions, and ultimately translate it into action. Um, rather than, you know, just doing the analysis for the sake of analysis. Um, and uh, I approached it through content creation journey. So started posting on LinkedIn um, daily. Uh, I revived my newsletter where I post my longer contents that focuses on big topics in people analytics. And the way that I do it actually is when people reach out to me and ask questions in different communities, those are the questions that I answer. Um, it's not the stuff that I'm my musings about how does certain graph look or what is a better way to interpret things. It's actually the answers to questions that people um, are looking to solve for. And there's a handful of those that come up over and over and over again. Um, but what are, are some, what, are some what are some examples of some of the questions that you get all the time? Yeah, the biggest ones is HR dashboards. How do I set up the HR dashboards? What should I measure in them? 
um, how can I communicate them effectively? The second one is going to be around engagement. I want to run engagement and poll surveys. How do I do that? Uh, there's a big question that um, is relevant for uh, recruitment in particular is quality of hire. How do I measure the quality of hire? And that's a difficult, difficult question to answer. <laughs> and, uh, and I would say people disagree on this uh, question quite a bit, but uh, that is one of the questions um, that emerges quite a bit. Um, and lately it's been, how do I get the data into my dashboard, right? So um, I, I did a little piece around what are the metrics to include in your HR dashboards. And somebody reached out and they're like, hey, this is cool and all, but how do I get the data into the dashboards? Uh, mm. Where do I look for it? So um, I uh, elaborated on that in a subsequent uh, newsletter. Um, and finally, I also designed a online course, self-based course that touches on the different analytics, different um, areas, uh, starting with HR dashboards, engagement and performance compensation, and then data storytelling. So essentially everything that's in people ops professional would need to really make a difference uh, within their organization. And the way that I thought about it is, you know, a lot of the people that I'm connected to are in startup scale up world. Uh, the teams are super lean and a lot of times they just don't know where to turn to, to actually um, implement all of those analytics uh, into their processes. So um, that was the idea to educate them around some of the things that they can do uh, very easily. And as a team of one or two people, uh, that is going to simplify their life, but also provide them with tons and tons of insights and analytics. What, what about for, um, you know, if you were to think about like the ideal, I mean, you just mentioned people in startups, but like outside of that, what would be some of like the indicators that you know what you have to offer would be the right solution for them um you know because like for example i just talked to a vp of talent who just started in their position mm -hmm. a couple months ago and i think they were putting together like all of the different kpis that they were going to look at and all of the different areas that they were going to measure over the next two years to, to you know to ensure that they're being successful in their role so I guess would somebody like that benefit from this or is it kind of mainly startups i, I guess could anybody benefit from it yeah i, I would say that's uh, it's definitely focused more on the hr generalist um type of roles um and hr generalist being a broad job family i'm going into compensation world uh but uh, ultimately people who are working in the in people operations, HR world, uh, generally speaking, and across the different levels, uh, ex with the exception being people analytics people, I, I don't think that there's a lot of new stuff to necessarily learn for the people analytics folks, uh, because they work with dashboards anyways, they work with engagement surveys, and they know the analysis um, already. But that being said, Right. Not a lot of organizations can actually afford a people analytics person coming in and being on staff, uh, being part of their headcount. Uh, typically, that would be a larger organization. And uh, if so, for smaller organizations, emerging organizations, small to medium sized organizations who don't necessarily want to invest in a full people analytics person, but want to train one or two of their staff on how to. Uh, set up the program, set up the dashboards. Um, that that's, uh, course is fairly simple and straight to the point.
I love it. What, what I, I'm curious, like in all of the companies you've worked with, and you know, I think of like retention, for example. It just seems like the the re retention is just getting harder and harder and harder for companies. Um, yeah, obviously we had like the great resignation mm -hmm. in 2021, or at least that's what it was dubbed. What what are some of like the common struggles that you see? You know, when when you're working with clients and like why they why we're struggling to retain talent right now, like what what do you think is going on? Is that just like a cultural shift? Is that something that's going to continue? Or like, are you looking at the data? Because I have heard about like the gig economy coming in and more people wanting to work hmm. fractionally as opposed to full time. So, I guess for, with what you've seen, like what are some of those kind of over overarching issues that are going on? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, and actually, right now, largely it's driven by large-scale events. Uh, just like you said, the Great Resignation um, was driven through availability of the different jobs and different compensation opportunities elsewhere. Um, also, there was some government support in certain areas of the world where people could focus on other things and reskill and, and move between the different jobs. Um, what we see right now is the outcome of the anticipated recession. And um, I'm saying anticipated because um, we can't predict the future of whether we're actually going to uh, hit that soft landing uh, or not and how much the different interest rates are going to affect the economy um, at the end of the day. But we, we're fairly close to finding out where we actually are going to land. Um, at this point, I would say with inflation numbers are down, uh, but that is driving a lot of the retention within the organization. So there are two forces at play in here. Um, one is the year of efficiencies. So that's uh, Facebook and Google and all of the big tech proclaimed. Um, and that drove the focus within other organizations on operational effectiveness and operational efficiencies, which means really scaling down their headcount. Um, and their budgets to doing the same or more with less people. So the second is around the price of the capital became much higher. So that is um, that means that organizations are going to think twice before making any type of investment. And that is um, also contributing to the slowdown. Um, if you're looking at the wages, uh, originally organizations projected around 5.4% merit increases. Uh, right now, they're looking at around 4.2%, 4.5%. So that is quite a significant decrease as well. So when people see all of these signs, they prefer to hunker down uh, within the organizations and not necessarily leave uh, unless uh, leave voluntarily. So they, they are staying within the organizations uh otherwise and uh, staying within their roles i haven't seen as much mobility as say a year or two ago and especially in the technology sector um, although it, it still does exist it, it's not impossible for somebody to move the to move between the different roles but uh, what i'm seeing is that people think twice about it and retention numbers also show that um, as i'm looking at different organizations their retention numbers are probably some of the best that they've seen in a very, very long time, uh, especially following the great resignation period. So are you anticipating then, you know, I think market shifts back, optimism comes in and suddenly it gets competitive on the job market again. Do you, do you think that retention is going to continue or do you think that we could be looking at 
kind of like a future great resignation 2.0 uh, it's it's a good question um there there are some market dynamics that uh, i'm thinking about right now and in particular the push um for the changes in compensation philosophy so with pay transparency coming in a lot of that uh, pay transparency is moving um, across the united states across canada very rapidly um, also taking Europe by storm. And what you would typically see is uh, some companies might adopt a global compensation rate, uh, which means that more job, more candidates are available in different locations for the same uh, type of job. So that changes the market dynamic quite considerably. Uh, there are also cases where, you know, somebody lives in uh, certain areas in the U.S. where compensation is much lower, but they're working for a Silicon Valley company that is willing to pay those rates. Uh, so there, there is those drivers as well. Uh, so ultimately, it is going to depend on supply and demand of the workforce uh, in the market. Uh, and depending how the economy is going to play out, uh, there is a possible possible world with of uh, an increased uh, resignations that um, we will be able to see. But also there is going to be an end to it uh, because at some point we won't be able to pay more than the previous employer is offering. So uh, at that point, you're kind of reaching that equilibrium. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I love it, man. It's, I, what I love is this is like the side of recruitment and the side of just like, I guess, people operations that I don't get exposed to a lot. Um, so it's super interesting just to hear all of the data that's out there, but then like how you use it, how you can use it and how, you know, it's not just for recruitment, obviously, right. You can look at how engaged are your people? Um, how can we that's retain right. top talent? And, uh, you know, I think, I think with all of these advancements as well, that, t that technology offers, it's exciting to think like what is even going to be possible right in the future. So you mentioned you got a newsletter, you've got the course. Where else are you active? Are you active on LinkedIn mainly? Are you over on Twitter, any other platforms? Or I should call it X now. Are you, are you active That's anywhere right. else? Uh, I'm primarily active on LinkedIn. And um, everyone can connect with me on LinkedIn. I love it. So what we'll do is we will uh, we'll drop your profile um, on the event. And then uh, if you want to share with me, you know, just via Messenger your, uh, your newsletter and then... He, you know, if you want to share a link to the course as well, we can we can put this in uh, in the show. And I would say, look, guys, if you're looking to to just understand, I just think understanding what's going on with data is always going to be helpful. Like whether you, whether you are in recruitment, HR, whatever it is, just having a better understanding of the data that's available to you, it's going to help you in your job, right? So I, I would say, if you're just a bit interested, if you want to learn more, definitely sign up for the newsletter. Um, and I know even like just as a small business owner, like I'm, I'm probably more interested in like the marketing side of things. Uh, but I definitely want to learn as well. So I appreciate you spending the time with us. Uh, anything else that you, uh, you want to drive people to right now as well? Uh, no, they, thank you for having me here. Uh, Joel, this, uh, been great conversation as, uh, as usually we have, uh, uh, and, and for everyone, 
please feel free to reach out to me directly. I make it a point to respond to messages as well. So uh, I, I would be happy to have a conversation, grab a coffee as well. And, uh, you know, no, no strings attached, just you, just exchanging ideas and bouncing ideas uh, with each other. So looking forward to connecting with a lot of you. Yeah, I love that, guys. So go uh, go connect with Constantine. And just remember, just say, saw you, saw you on the show, saw you on Joel's show. Uh, and then I always just say, be patient as well. Like if you reach out to anybody who's been on the show, um, yes, you can get a response, but you've also just got to be patient as well. Um, and then guys, I will be back next week. I've uh, I got another great talent leader who's uh, at a startup um, that actually is in a, kind of a more less traditional, I guess a less traditional uh, industry. They uh, hire a lot of pet groomers actually so it's a startup uh that's really really cool um and we're going to be talking about some of like the harder to fill positions uh, and talking about like how can we source talent outside of linkedin obviously linkedin is a big one for uh, most of us who are on linkedin but there's lots of other sources right instagram TikTok. so we're going to look at like some of the creative ways that they're sourcing talent so you won't want to miss that one uh if you want to check out any of the past shows you can go to my profile I've got them all in the featured section if you want to see the video or I'll put I'll drop the links to the Spotify and iTunes as well. You can go subscribe. I usually batch out about three or four episodes a month. Uh, so there's always new content on there uh, and any feedback you guys have. Let me know if you want to be on the show, reach out. Uh, and remember, if this was, show was helpful as well, uh, let both of us know. Love to hear that feedback as well. So thank you so much, Joe. We got Matthew. Uh, LinkedIn user. I don't know why it just says LinkedIn user, but uh, that could be Stacy. I, I see Stacy above there. Um, and someone said it was three digit digit heat for 45 days. That sounds absolutely brutal. Uh, but appreciate all of you guys. Always appreciate the engagement. Remember to stay tuned for next week. And coming up in about a month, I'm actually going to be running the show on Mondays and Wednesdays. So double the content, double the value. That's what it's all about. So I uh, appreciate all of you guys. Constantine, thanks so much again. Really appreciate thanks, you being, being on the show. Great episode. And I'm going to end this right now.